0: SRB Media. Good evening, Gabby.
1: Good evening, Terry, and good evening, all. And welcome to episode eight of our weekly podcast, The Curran View, with the idol of Hillsborough, Terry Curran. How's things, Tell?
0: Fine, thank you. Especially with Sheffield Wednesday, uh, sitting at the top of the championship. It's uh, been a, a good couple of weeks.
1: Absolutely flying. We're going to start, as always, with the uh, the numbers game, and it is episode eight. So who was or who is your favourite number eight? And I'm just going to go briefly back to 1984 when Inchy scored the goal that took you guys to Wembley in the FA Cup final against Watford, wearing the um, number eight with a, a headed goal off a header of Derek Mountfields. Yeah, um, was that the... Um... The league game. No, that was the FA Cup semi-final call. at Hill. Uh, sorry, Hillsborough at Highbury, where one Terry Curran wearing uh, the number seven. It was your third game of the season because you had a bad injury to your thigh that season, like you did, at, um, you know, at, at Everton and at Forest. A different injury that um, cut your career at both clubs short. But you, you you were you were hovering around the 18-yard box, waiting for that ball to come out. It was the semi-final, yeah.
0: It was. Uh, we played South, uh, Southampton uh, and we, we, we scored in extra time. I'm sure we scored in extra time. I mean, scored it, like you said.
1: Yeah, yeah, you did. Um,
0: Obviously, uh, I'd be, like you said, I'd been out for uh, four or five months. I'd, got a, I'd pulled a, a muscle in my thigh. Yeah. Um, couldn't get it right and eventually I'd have an operation on it. Uh, and I remember I was rushing me back to, to, to play in the semi-final. They drained so many games for me to play in. Um, played in the uh, semi-final... Uh, bit of a scrappy game, but we got the result obviously, uh, like you say uh, I think it came from the right hand side uh, me and Inche was in there I think Inch was the one what uh, the ball landed to and he put it in the in, 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 in back of the net and it obviously took Everton uh, to the uh, cup final I played again uh, again on the Monday uh, against uh, Norwich, and Monday over Tuesday uh, pulled me answering. I, I played. I played too many games in such a short time and uh, the rest uh, is this because obviously Evan went on to win the, the FA Cup that year, beating Watford um, in like, like you say 1974. so and then it, it was a run that Evan went on to uh, went on with and uh, finished up winning the league, FA Cup, uh, Cup Winners Cup. Uh, yeah. tremendous run they had uh, under Howard Kendall, but they had a lot of great players in that team, a lot of great players.
1: Well, while we're talking there, we'll do the numbers game second. Let's embellish. Let's 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 just briefly indulge in 1984 now and start there. It was it was a free kick. Reid really had the free kick. The ball come over. As I say, you was loitering around the, the, the penalty area for that ball to come out, and then. You had the last kick of that game, literally, when the ball went out for uh, for a throw deep in Southampton's half. The referee blew the whistle, and blimey, what a pitch invasion! How did you get off the pitch?
0: Well, it it was difficult. It was difficult uh, because obviously there's about five or six of us in that corner uh, where we scored that goal. Yeah. Uh, When the referee usually. Usually try and time it if if the ball's up at that end and we know he's going to blow to to get off as quick as we can, but you you, you couldn't do. You couldn't do. Uh, You you were so uh, wrapped up in the game that uh, the referee had blown his uh, his whistle and everything had just happened. Uh, And all the fans... Flocked onto the pitch. But in those days, that's what used to happen. I mean, it doesn't happen as much now. I mean, occasionally it started to filter onto the pitch again, now and again. But in those days, uh, after nearly every game, fans used to come onto the pitch. And in that game, if rightly so, uh, I think before the 90 minutes was up, I mean, I was was pulling me off. Uh, he said to me, He said, You look tired, which I were. I was tired, very, very tired. Um, for some unknown reason, uh, he changed his mind and we. Uh, I stayed on, and uh, obviously we beat uh, Southampton one nil against my old team, um, who, who had got to a, a final of the, the League Cup final. And we went on to play Forest. Uh, I got beat in nineteen seventy seventy nine. So it's it's, pretty, it's funny how things happen in, in 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 against teams who you played against, you know. Uh, and that was a, another uh, incident. Whereas I played against one of my old teams, Southampton. And we got a great, we got a great win. And from that, you know, from then onwards, uh, I you know, never looked back for two, or three years.
1: And you're right, because like you personally, the, the, the two, arguably two of the, the biggest games of your career were, were both against former teams. How did, was that, was that good for you or bad for you or, or didn't it make any difference, Terry?
0: Yeah, but it, honestly, people always talk about players, you yeah. know, in dressing rooms and things. You know, I was one of them. What wouldn't come in? Well, uh, ten quarter three, ten to three, get changed and then and, and then go out. N- no, it, not not nothing ever bothered me. I remember when we were playing uh, Southampton at, uh, at Forest in the in the final. And McManamy was saying to me, "Stand aside of me. I don't want Cluffy getting to you. You know, and trying to put you off." I said, "Don't have to stand aside of me. Don't it don't bother me playing against Nottingham Forest. Yeah. It's a job. It's a you know." Uh, it's something that takes your mind off it when you get out onto that pitch. You know, you forget all about problems or whatever going great for you or whatever. Once you get onto that pitch, you're thinking about the game. And I remember McNamee saying to me, keep it side of me. I don't want Cluffy going to you and uh, putting you off. But after the game, Brian did get to you, didn't he? <laughs> because he offered you,
1: why don't you come back to me and, uh, and play for Forest?" didn't he, after the game?
0: But it weren't that game. It was the game up at Everton. God, we yeah. beat them. We beat them three uh, one on my last game of the my. I was on loan at at the yeah, time. Life. When he asked me to come back, uh, do I fancy going back and playing for Forest? Um, and I said no. you're too late for that now. You know, I said you've won everything now. You're not going to win anything again for the next few years. I, you know, it'll take it take a lot of money to to sort that out. Um, because obviously some of the players were getting get old. Yeah. Uh, well, getting older, anyway. Um, but it was when we played uh, when I played for Everton up at uh, when I played for Everton up at, uh, Goodison. We we beat them uh, in my last match on my long period. I think we beat them three one.
1: And and obviously you turned down Brian. You've, you you actually turned down Brian twice. There's not many players that do. But going back to that playing against your your old team. So many players when they play against their former team and teammates tend to score a goal is that just the way it goes or do you raise your game a little bit more when you when you're playing in those games like presumably you're doing the bigger games and you're doing the derby games as well
0: yeah i can't speak for anyone else i can only speak for yeah, for, sure. for me yeah. um and in, in, with me whether i played against uh, my old teams or um a, a, a team who I wanted to play against. You know, when you want to play against Man United and things yeah. like that, I was always excited to to, to, to be playing those teams. Yeah. You know, I was always excited and uh, always thinking that we could we could we could win, we could beat teams. Whereas some players would would look at it, well, we might lose against these, and we you know we might get a point against them. I never thought that way. You're never going to win every match, but I always. I always thought we were going to win uh, to to win every match. It, it never occurred to me to you know when I was playing against Brian Clough because he knew what I could do yeah. up to up prior to my injury, you know. Uh, and it was a fallout with Pete Taylor more than, than anything to do with Nottingham Forest. Uh, in, in fact, Cloughy, uh, I remember Cloughy when I slammed the door on him and the door came off and he's still laughing his head off behind uh, when the door fell down, and he said, "You don't have to leave," you know. Um, but no, I I would never want wanted to to show anybody else, you know, if I were playing against uh, when I played against Derek Statham at West Brom, who was a good left back, Derek Statham, or I, I played against Pat Van Now uh, Birmingham or uh, Kenny Sampson at Arsenal, these were good players, and you always wanted to to to, to, to uh, play well against them more than than the uh, the, the team you were playing against. Yeah. It was it was the player, you know. The player who I admired when I was playing against because you knew they were good players and you knew, you know, you're going to be in front of an hard game in a sense, not a kicking game, but an hard game because, they were good, you know, there were three good, good full-backs, you know, what could play the game a bit.
1: Now, in that, in that semi-final in 84 against Southampton, you played against, for me, the greatest full left full-back that's ever played for my team, Birmingham City, against Mark Dennis. What was it like to
0: play against Mark? Well, Mark. Mark wasn't. To be honest, Mark was another another really good player. When yeah. I when I when I think about that, that was another one what came up. It was a very very good player, but in those days, you know, and it weren't as bad as to the sixties. Uh, how they used to kick people in those days. But Mark played. I remember playing against Mark at Birmingham City. You know, when he played for Birmingham, yeah. Uh, they had four or five. Maybe five or six hard players, and I mean hard players. What didn't think anything about putting him in Rosehead, mm. you know? But but technically, he was a good player. But it was a player what uh, didn't think nothing about putting him in the stand. Like I said, yeah, you know, he never thought anything about it. He would, he would. I think he would kick his own mother, uh, Mark. And I don't mean that in, in a nasty way. I think that's just how he was when he played. You know, he wanted to win, and a lot of players want to win. Yeah, but there's there's ways about going about a win, and he, you know. Uh, or go by crook, you know, he wanted to win. But he was a good player, very, very good player.
1: Now, in them days, Jim Smith was, was the manager of Birmingham we talked about in in the last podcast managers and and teams that that you didn't play for, that perhaps you'd like to play for, was there any time that that Jim Smith would have got into you and says, Terry I'm doing stuff down at Birmingham, I've got Mark Dennis, I've got Noel Blake, I've I've got Blakey actually, Ron Saunders brought him in, we've got Joe Gallagher, we've got Colin Todd, we've got Archie Gemmel and and Frank, we've got a good team, you and Huddy would have really fitted in well to that Birmingham City (laughs) team and you probably are the two missing ingredients that we needed. Looking back at it,
0: no, that that, that never came. That, that never came uh, uh, about. But obviously, I knew Jim really, really well. Yeah, you know, and he, and he liked my. He liked how I played. And, and uh, I think he's on my way somewhere. I think he's from Sheffield, way up this way. Well, he's up north. Anyway, he's a, he's a, he's a northern guy. Uh, and every time I saw him, he always used to give me high praise. I will say that the closest I ever come to playing for someone in that area was uh, Wolves. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the manager then. Can't. Not Ken. Uh, okay, what's his name? Wolves I played for Sheffield United, and I remember Sheffield United saying the Wolves have made a bid for you.
1: Barney.
0: John Barnwell. John yeah. Barnwell. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I, I nearly signed for him. You know, uh, at Wolves, but uh, but Everton were sniffing around me then, I knew Everton was uh, was what he designed me. And then what happened then? Um, once the deal had fallen through uh, first time with Everton, I played a game. I played against uh, Stoke, and we. But well, it was one of those games when I played Stoke by myself for Sheffield United in the FA Cup. And Arsenal, Arsenal were there, and um, Man United. Yeah. And the guy called Norman Wynn, who worked for the Sunday People for me, up, he said, uh, Atkinson wants you to come and play at uh, Man United. Do you fancy it?" And I said, "Of course, of course I do." But what happened? What happened there was that uh, the deal had to be done by a certain Saturday, yeah. or else it weren't going to go through. They were going to sign Arthur Graham, but we arsenal coming in. Then the, the transfer fees started getting uh, thrown about and getting upped, and. Uh, they'd already got a fee in the bed that they weren't going to pay no more than a specific fee I think it was £100,000 but with Arsenal coming in it made it more difficult and it made it more difficult for Arsenal um, so they finished up signing Arthur Graham and Arsenal finished up signing um, Brian Marwood yeah. and then I finished up going back to, back to Everton but uh, that's the only time I've nearly come to playing for a team in, uh, in, uh, in the city of Birmingham itself you know, Midlands,
1: and you all you had a close shave. You almost joined Newcastle United to uh, pair up there with with Kevin
0: Keegan, didn't you? Well, that's 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 a funny story. That uh, Gabby um, going to the tribunal, and we sat in the tribunal, and um, Jack. What had What happened really was Jack. Uh, uh, I wanted eleven thousand uh, pound signing on, you know, yep. in my contract tax-free, and Jack said, no, no, we're not playing, we're we're not giving you tax-free, he says, you earn more than me, you know, as managers would do anyway, (laughs) they always looked after themselves, and I said to him, I earn more than you, I said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Jack, because I've been in his office, John Harris had come for me, uh, and and asked me to go down to office, so I went into the office, and I'm I'm in there before Jack, and on there is, Jack had had new windows put in, and had this done, and had that done, and I said to him, I said to him, I said, tell you what, Jack, Forget that eleven thousand pounds. I'll take that. What you've just had done to your house, you know the improvements in your house. What you're looking at, mate. What you'll be looking at mate? That's why you should be looking you on your desk. Then should you? <laughs> so uh, he wouldn't give me it. He wouldn't give me that. it uh, wouldn't pay the tax on the on the eleven thousand pound. We. It uh, went to a tribunal, and I told him Chef United had offered me fifty thousand pound, and he said to me, "Yeah, I bet they have." So um, and it were fact because I've still got the I've still got the contract and everything. Uh, and so what I did went to the tribunal. Jack um, had fetched all the documentation down that Everton had, had bid five hundred thousand pound for me when I was playing for Sheffield Wednesday. This, uh, and uh, took it to the tribunal. But because of what my wages uh, I were getting at Sheffield Wednesday, that's what the, the transfer fee went on. So it was an hundred thousand yeah. pound. So I, I came. I, I came out of. Uh, the, the tribunal on jack so i'll i'll pay the tax on that i said too late now jack i said what do you want me to do I've, you know i've just come through all this anyway i drove home that night uh, i mean i was married to a girl called kim i drove home that night just as i walked in the door uh, my father-in-law was on the phone and he said he put his hand over the phone he said it's arthur cox on the phone so uh, i picked the phone up and it was arthur cox and he said to me he said um what what uh, what have they offered you Sheffield united he said the hundred thousand pound uh you know, we'd willing to pay that. He said, What have they offered you? So I told him, I said, twenty-five thousand pounds in me hand, uh, twenty-five thousand um, in the contract, over a three year contract, uh, and two hundred pounds a week, uh, you know. So he turned and he said, I'll trouble that. I'll trouble that if you come and sign for those. And I said to him, I said, uh, I can't now. I've already give I've, got, I've already given out United my word. He said, "Well, listen. He said we're signing Kevin Keegan. I'm going to play you up right, Wadlong left, Keegan and Beasley through middle." I said, "It's too late." You know, I mean, you look at it when you think back at it, you must think, I must think to myself, I must have been crazy. Yeah. But once I gave my word to someone, you know, that would it. I mean, I'm not a Sheffield United fan. Why did I do it? I did it to upset Jack more than anything else because what he were doing to me, you know, at the club, I was wanting us to push on, buy, get some more players in. Jack's so careful with the money and Jack did a great job for Sheffield Wednesday I, I didn't like the way we played the game under Jack yeah. but he did such a great job for Sheffield Wednesday and he was one of the best people I'd ever met in my life Jack yeah. right down to earth but it was little things like that you know what uh, um, cost us really at Sheffield Wednesday three players uh, if we'd have got the three players in it would have gone up that year uh, the following year I had left to to go to Sheffield United. Um, Jack stayed for another season. I think they got to the semi final of the FA Cup. I think they played at Villa Park. Brighton, I think I'm sure they played Brighton. Yeah. Got to the semi final of the FA Cup, uh, and then Jack left, uh, left that season. Howard Wilkinson come in, bought three players, and got promotion. And Sheffield went through. They were back in the uh, old First Division in uh, in those days, but. Uh, that disappointed me because I wanted to go up with Sheffield Wednesday. That's the reason why I came out of the first division at Southampton. You know, not many players would have done that. Not a Chris Waddle, not a David Erz, not a Trevor Franz. They didn't know the footballer would have done what I did to come out of first division when I was starting to play well again uh, after the serious injury I got at Nottingham Forest. So little things like that uh, didn't help. You know, the injuries. Uh, who knows, Forest, um, they went on to win, to win everything. Uh, I got the injury against Burnley I scored the f- first goal uh, we, got, uh, we won 5-2 out for what seven months there came back played a couple of games a um, couple of three or four years down the line I, I finished up at Everton uh, they were at bottom of the league when I first went there got some great results uh, went back after the uh, loan period Went back, my first game back against West Brom, pulled my thigh muscle out for five months. Uh, it, it brought me back for the FA Cup, got me fit for the FA Cup game. Um, and then I got injured. They won the FA Cup and the rest is history with Everton. They went and won everything. So the two teams that had won everything, you know, the league, have, uh, FA Cups, League Cups, uh, Cup Winners' Cup. You know, European Cup was with Forest. Two European Cups, a League Cup with them. I missed out on all that through 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 injury. But I, I suppose if I wouldn't have got injured at Forest, who knows what would have happened? I'm not saying that is been inside. We just don't know because you know, if some uh, but if buts and maybes uh, are a big part of uh, footballers' lives.
1: I don't think fans really understand what what goes on with with the footballer and what happens during their career, because again, going back to that Wednesday, you'd actually identified and, and told Jack the three players that's needed, and pretty much Howard went and went and bought then the season after. So if Jack would have listened to you, then yeah. probably Wednesday would have gone up with you, and you would have you would have done you would have achieved what you came back to Sheffield Wednesday to do. So again, tinged with a lot of frustration. Now, had you have had an age agent in them days and someone that you could have talked to and talked you around, do you think you would have made different decisions? And do you think agents, because they, they seem to be by a lot of people. And I know young Tom's an agent for, for Jock. We're going to have a chat about Jock. But a lot of people seem to think that agents are public enemy. Number one, I think agents are an absolute necessity in the game to guide young players and to, to just, Talk them through and having a look at the full picture
0: rather than the little bit that they're looking at. We'll talk about that, but yeah. I'll just go back to Jack. When you know Jack used to say to me, "Come into office." So after a game, he'd get me in the office, and there'd be other managers there. But you're talking about the teams and players and things, identifying players, you know, for our team. And you're right. Uh, I told him the three players to to uh, to go and sign, and he said to me, "Keep me knows I run this club." <laughs> But he, he ran, he ran the club like he would with his own money. You know, he, he very, he spent very little of his own money. So that's how we ran the club. And going back to the agents now, would it have been any? The agents had just started to come, not come in like they are now. But there were little people, advisers advising people. And I remember uh, you, you say, would it make any difference to me? Well, I don't think it made any difference to me. I that's why I had that little chuckle when you was on about agents. Well. I remember when I went on loan to Howard. When I went on loan up to Everton, and, and I met Howard at his house, and they were the second bottom of the league when, when I went there. And on, on the garage, the, the, they were like a noose with an hangman on, and the death of Kendall, because they really yeah. wanted him out. Yeah, the, they did you know, it. you know, he gave 800000 thousand pound for Adrian Heath, weren't getting goals. He'd, he'd got really got a good team there, and he just weren't, you know, for some unknown, for some unknown reason, it just wasn't working for them. Yeah. So, uh, I go, I goes up, goes on loan and um, we turn the club round. We drew against Birmingham, my first game, nil 0 uh, I think there was about 11,000, 11,500 people there. Then we go and play each away. We beat them. I remember coming in at half time and Kevin Macklin saying to all the lads, I'm, I'm going to play in the first division and we're in the, the old third division. Uh, I'm in the old third division with Sheffield United. Uh, and, and Kevin Ratcliffe saying, "Give Terry the ball, give Terry the ball." He's ripping these apart. So we beat it. we beat Ipswich away two one. Then we played uh, uh, West Brom. Up at uh, West Brom we got a draw there. I'm not quite sure whether we beat uh, Tottenham. I don't know if we beat <laughs> I don't know if we beat Tottenham away, uh, or, or we drew, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But th- we we beat Luton at home five one. Uh, and then the last, the last game was Nottingham Forest beat them 3-1. And rightly, what you said earlier on about Cloughfield wanted me to go back and play at Forest. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, what had happened? I'd done well up there, so Reg wanted more money for me. So the the, the £100,000, what they'd agreed, uh, had gone off the table. So uh, finally, uh, I agreed to, to go to Sheffield United, or the Sheffield United and uh, Everton have agreed to, the deal's back on again. So I met then Howard up at the uh, Grenada Services, up at Birch Services in the, on the M62 there. So I goes in there with a guy called Jerry Webster, and, and Jerry sat at side of me, and uh, and he's supposed to be doing all the talking for me. But I finished, I listened to Howard, and Howard turned around and he said to me, he said, I'll give you £500, 500 pound a week, uh, and £10,000 signing on. And I said, Howard, I've just saved you, It's have just stopped you from getting sacked. I said I want me twenty five thousand when I've got in my contract, and I want a thousand pound a week. Yeah, you're not getting that, and all this, ba ba ba. So uh, I said to Jebby, "Come on, we are going. And and Jerry turned around. He said, "No, hang on a bit, Terry. Let's, let's see if we can sort this out." I said, "No, we're off." So I walked out of the room, and I was shouting me back. I just walked out of the room, and uh, Jerry followed me, uh, followed me out. He's, then he, Jerry's saying to me, I think he was a bit naughty what, what he was doing there because we were trying to say, you know, do you want to play first division football yeah, or do you want to play uh, third division football? I said, Howard, it do make a difference to me. I'll play for Halifax Town. Yeah. All I want to do is play football, and, and I left. The next day, it were all greedy current. Yeah. I was coming to the end of my career. I just saved Howard from getting the sack on that on that uh, period when I went on loan. And he was a great manager. Just things weren't going for him. Yeah. Maybe I was a, a cog what turned it round. Uh, and then he, he bought Peter Reid and uh, Andy Gray. Uh, and they were a big influence on, on the team as well as. Uh, so, no, the agents, uh, the agents um, were just about coming in or uh, representatives were coming in. Not like they are now, uh, nowadays. But I would imagine if we had that type of uh, agent with the money what was going on in football it would have been a different type of thing football was different altogether in, in those days uh, Paul
1: yeah I mean if we fast forward it now um, to, to, to the modern game um, I was listening uh, today that there's uh, uh, the young boy um, Sterling
0: uh, yes plays,
1: plays plays for Manchester City <laughs> you yeah.
0: know he yeah. was
1: uh, he couldn't hit a cow's arse with the banjo the other season i mean now everything that he touches goes into the back of the net and uh, the young fella looks as though he's going to get a million pound boot deal i mean it's like it's crazy there's billions of pounds of of tv money going into uh, the modern game as well but on the same if you flip the coin over you've still got kids running around with the asses hanging out of the shorts at grassroots level and, and dog dirt all over pitches. And you've got to move that before the Sunday league games take place. You've got yeah. former professional footballers uh, with, with dementia um, and nobody seems to put any money towards that uh, department. It, it seems a total imbalance and an injustice where... Football's never had so much money, but it just seems to be going into certain players, certain teams, and the rich seem to be getting richer and the money isn't circulated.
0: Well, let's go back to the sterling bit first. Yeah. Um, what would he when he first went to, to Liverpool, uh, 2021, 20, and Man City, 22, 23. Twenty-four ish yeah. something like that. You know, if you ask any any player, you're still you're still learning the game, even at that age. You're still learning the game, yet you're ready to play. You're ready to play. Uh, so now it, everything's uh, fell into place for him. Obviously, it's at Manchester City, Liverpool, obviously they they're in a the bigger club than, than Liverpool in in England. All right, you can argue, argue that Man United are the biggest club in the country, but it will play with good players there going, but not what he got now. Is a top manager, top players, and they've helped him in his development, uh, but he's playing with great players. So that has helped him as much as anything, but time helps you as as players when you're a young player to get that little bit of experience behind you and get the confidence that you feel part of that team and he's got all that now. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to the other thing. About the, uh, the money within, in local football, it's been a disgrace yeah. since the Premier League started. Yeah. We give more money to, to other countries yeah. than we do to our own. Yeah. You know, for a, for a local team, for a local team to have to pay a thousand pound to play on that football pitch, having the grass cut and everything else, what goes with it, paying you know, uh, paying so much to play on the on, on the field, it's a disgrace. Yeah. Where does every footballer come from? Throughout the world, where do they come from? From the local community, yeah. it comes from a local community. Yet we cannot put uh, money into these uh, facilities, uh, improve the dressing rooms, so they have got hot showers week in and week out. So the grass is cut for them to play on, you know, because these are kids are playing in little tournaments, and all the scouts around there in the summer watching these these young boys playing, uh, and we can we can't or they can't put the money into the, into any local team or area to, to, to help these young kids and football clubs you know uh, to survive because it's the communities you know this is where they should be putting money into these areas for these kids you know to bring them through what's going to play professional football do they want to do it? no no they, they will never even think about it you know uh, the, the political correctness is, is, is how they want to do it not how it should be done uh because nobody talks about it you brought that up when you, you 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 hear little bits about it but if 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 if, 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 if uh, the cameras from sky and the bbc and the itv went around these football grounds and forced them and and, and showed everyone how these some of these clubs are not all because some of them have run great mm. you know uh, and, and have done well but they've had a lot of work help uh, a lot of work from the local communities to go into that and give the time up, you know, even give them their own money up to, to help their teams, you know, and embarrass them into doing things for these local teams. It might help. But until that happens, uh, Gabby, it, it won't. It
1: won't. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not going to hold my breath because, as I say, that is exactly where Raheem started his playing career. In... Everybody did. Exactly. Every footballer did. There is not.
0: Throughout the world of football, the yep. start in their local school team. And the local teams. And that's where every football starts. Yep, absolutely. Bang on.
1: Magic moments of the weekend. Let's get on to a bit of positive stuff of the weekend. Yeah, you're
0: smiling a bit, aren't you? <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, apparently we've 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 bought a but. Birmingham City have got the ideal footballer that's got Villa in his name, and that hasn't gone down very well. <laughs> I think they're all buying shirts with Fran on the back rather than Villa Alba. Yeah. But, but he does seem to be a very, very good player. My two boys went down and, and and think that he's the second coming. But again, football supporters are like that. When you buy a player and the play really well, he's the greatest thing. And we, we do tend to do that in England. But on everybody, when he has a bad game, oh, he's rubbish. Yeah. They're all, all football fans are the same. I look at everything. It's moderation. I go, look, he's had a good game. Let's see how it pans out. But Birmingham have had a good start. As have your team, Sheffield Wednesday. Both teams are flying.
0: Yes, uh, we sit uh, proudly on top of the uh, championship table. Um, Lee Bullens added, what, two or three uh, good players to the team. Yep. And generated some pace into the team. Uh, but not only uh, uh, generated pace, they look technically good on the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kadim, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, looks really good looks uh, looks really good on the ball uh, and causing all sorts of problems for uh, the opposition. So, if you can get players in, what's going to run with the ball or, or, or run and create space away for other players to go into, it's, it's always going to be a big factor for the team. Uh, and he's given that what is that lift the, the the need especially with Bruce leaving um my first choice would have been uh, Arteta yeah. I know I'm expecting big things trying to get Arteta could we afford his wage could we afford this could we afford that because how I looked at that with Arteta he's got Manchester City he's got other teams where he could go and get players on loan like Frank Lampard did at Derby but Lee Bullen uh, if it wasn't going to get him I, I was one let's give let, let's give Bullen a chance because you know I don't want to see uh Orton down there I don't want to see Allardyce down there I don't want to see uh, David Moyes down there You know I've seen that football For long enough I've seen it for 40 years I want to see some Exciting football And let's hope that uh, Lee Bullen uh, Can keep winning And he gets a job And he gets Wednesday Back in the uh, Premier League hey, hey.
1: You know I think um, the, the, Premier, the Premier League Need sides Like Sheffield Wednesday Like Birmingham uh, Aston Villa got got promoted of course last season like West Bromwich Albion uh, like Leeds United these, these are big big clubs with with tremendous history but I'm going to have my magic moment I'm going to have um uh I'm going to have Tom Kearney when he he oh. got the ball cuz Fulham are the, the team that, that, that I've picked to uh, win the championship this year. and uh, They work the ball out. He's took a touch. He's got out his feet and he's pinged the ball in the top corner with his left foot. I think Tom Kearney is an absolutely fabulous player and I love number 10s. I love players that, that can do something a little bit special and win games almost single-handedly at times.
0: Well, I mean, I will, I will back you with that because obviously uh, the goal the goal is scored was a tremendous goal. Yeah. And obviously the first game of the season they get beat at Barnsley. Yeah. Uh, so to, to get uh, on the winning track as quick as possible uh, was a great uh, achievement for, for Birmingham because people will soon get on your back, like you say. One minute with the great, next minute uh, the poor. And it was a great goal. Uh, but uh, for me, the... Uh, The the Richards uh, run, creating the goal for uh, the boy at Wednesday to to knock in was my moment again. Uh, I I love to see people run with the ball. I love to see people take people away. I love to see, see people run off the ball. You know, that's not athletes. It's intelligent footballers running off the ball and creating space, having pace in your team. You know, I'm not saying everybody has to be fast, but certain areas, I think, it's a big plus if you've got it. You've got pace in your team, you know. So little things like that uh, are um, are great in football. But like you, Cairns was the one what uh, really lit uh, the goals up in that championship on uh, Saturday.
1: Who was the greatest? runner off the ball that, that you've seen. I mean, one that springs to my mind. You know, he was never graced with um, a massive amount of pace. But Terry Sheringham was a real thinker's football player. His movement off the ball and creating space for forwards playing alongside him, I thought he was absolutely magnificent at doing that.
0: He was, but Terry uh, Teddy Sher- uh, Teddy Sheringham never went beyond, did he? He would come off and find... Yeah areas, little sports goals yeah. as, as good as, you know, like the Iniesta's and Zabbies, they, 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 they're the ones. But I, I'm talking about sometimes players what can make runs off off the ball. Your Brian Robson would make a run off the ball and create space for other people. Yeah. You know, I look for intelligent players what could do both of those type of things. Can either, either good with the ball, yet find space either coming off the striker or coming off the strikers or other midfield players or going beyond the striker and it's that type of thing it opens it all up you know i mean manchester city don't keep the ball all the time yeah. you know uh to into people's feet they will play little balls in behind but you'll you'll see sterling mecha run you'll see that uh was not david silver david silver the other one portuguese one at manchester city yeah uh so they call him Silver. but I was trying Benardo. to think his first name Bernardo Silver. Yeah. he's another one who will make little runs even with the ball or without the ball so you know all types of players what can do that I like to see that you need the right balance in the team yeah uh, Paul and you need the right balance uh for the philosophy of that team. You know, it's no good bringing players in if, 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 if the manager wants to play a long ball type of game. It's no good bringing people in what's going to play a little one-twos in and around because, the, you know, it doesn't work for them because the manager panics. They want the ball there. And you need that balance when you've got good players in your team to have someone what will do that little bit of donkey work for one or two of the other players.
1: We have got to talk about Jock because we're on Jock watch as well. Jock, uh, Jock Curran being your son, uh, currently on loan at Lincoln United uh, from his his club Grimsby Town, who got a decent draw against Bradford this weekend. He scored two goals, didn't he? He's flying at the moment, young young Jock.
0: Yeah, uh, well, Grimsby obviously got the, the result to put Markham the yeah. first win of the season, yeah. and then that was a good that was a good uh, a good draw against Bradford. Obviously, you have got to try and win your own games. Yeah. You know, so uh, four points out of uh, six is not bad. Obviously, we would hope to get six out of six. But uh, the last jock, um, you know, they want him to get game time because obviously Grimsby, they're only 23. He's only play about 15 games a season. Yeah. In my opinion with him, Gabby, he still needs another six months on his back. Do I think, I mean, I, I thought how would be done in pre-season that he might be on the bench and they might fetch him on. But obviously... They like that little bit of experience, and some managers may be uh, frightened of having kids on the bench. But having said that, we've got a young boy, Pollock, what's doing well for the club uh, on the bench. So uh, they asked him. to go on loan so I spoke to the people uh, at Lincoln uh, Nathan uh, whatever his second name is I've, I've, I quite forget now but uh, he's the assistant manager down there he's be played jock as an old midfield player yeah. now he can do that and he could play at the back because he's, he's composed on the ball mm-hmm. uh, he's got good feet um, but he hasn't f- fully developed yet. It's going to be another six months for me personally. Yeah. But I said to the guy, "He's going be playing." Uh, and I'm not telling you, you know, how to how to pick your team or how to play your team. I said, but for me, he's a better player going forward. He will create your goals and he will score goals. Uh, the drew with Redford, uh in the in the midweek, uh, and he made one of the goals. And then on Saturday, he got the, the both goals. Uh, well, and the. Two goals, but the one one of them was was the winner, and and I said to him, it's better going forward, you know. But Grimsby, they play him as an only midfielder. That's where they see him, you know, his best position. But my my, my opinion of him, and, I, and I, I I am a give my honest opinion of him because if it, if he wasn't any good, I won't be taking him up and down the motorway here, Paul. I, I promise you that. I tell my eldest son. He were he were no good at football, you know. I weren't, I not not him behind the book, uh, behind the bush with it because he he twelve years old. I said you're not good enough, and that's it. Whereas Jock's got a good chance. He's got a football brain. He sees the pass. Uh, brave. It's he, he, six foot six foot to him uh, compared to me at five foot ten and a half. Um, but once that body develops, I think he's he's going to have a big chance. So they played they played him as a forward, uh, attacking midfield player. And uh, he's he's only two games, so he's doing well for them. And their first league game starts on Saturday. But uh, they've got one or two good little lads uh, coming through there. Just keep my fingers crossed for them. And I hope they they take it on to the next level.
1: While we're talking about the the, the game, uh, the modern game, we've left the past in the past at the moment, VAR... Something that you guys didn't have back in your days, but we've got it today. Some of the goals being disallowed, absolutely ridiculous. Certainly, the um, the the, the goal that uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers scored at Leicester seemed pathetic when it yep. was a judge that Bowley had had, had it and Dendonk had put it in in the onion bag. Yep. Wolves fans are celebrating; they're thinking that they won the game. Then they don't. The goal's disallowed, and then the Leicester fans are all celebrating. It just seems absolutely bizarre, doesn't it?
0: Well, I I only thought that was I, th- I always thought that the I mean I was one for it coming in. But one when one. these balls crossed the line, yep. You know, you know, like Lampard in the World Cup. I yep. remember Bolton getting relegated uh, because a goal were, uh, weren't in. I can remember, even when I were playing, I can remember there was a goal at Coventry it, side, yes. netting. <laughs> it side netting it did side netting you know and they gave a goal yeah. and that, that's what I thought that's why I thought they were going to bring it in for yeah. but they brought it in for every, everything now and now it's it, it's becoming a joke with it all, you know, because you're seeing goals. The Manchester City goal on on Saturday against West Ham. Yeah. What a great! I mean, it's a fraction offside. All right, offside's offside because you'll get you'll you'll get the political correct people say "Well, it's offside. So don't give it offside." Well, if it's handball, it's handball. Yeah. If i be every ball in the box, a handball, you know. Uh, so it's disappointing me that they, that they haven't they, they've faced everything into it. And I, I, I don't like that. I thought that it was only going to come in for goals what had gone over the goal line. And that's what it was talked about in, in the first incident incident of it all. But no, what they done, it's, it's every mortal thing now. you know it, it, I, I don't like it in a sense that you're stopping and starting. It's bad enough when a referee keeps stopping and starting again without the uh, VAR. It's not for me. It's not
1: for me. No, I remember having a chat with uh, Matt Letizia probably eight, uh, about, about 12 months ago. Um, and, and Matt was saying, if, if people think that it's going to solve all the problems in football, please think again, because it's not. It's going to create more problems than it actually solves. And I, I just think that with this VAR and with Anball and with some of the decisions, I think that they need a, a professional footballer in there and, and saying to the referees, look, you've not played the game, but... But, you know, you, you, you know the rules. But let, let's have a look at this because that, that definitely isn't a penalty. I can tell the way the players played that. And, and and football players know, and referees sometimes that haven't played the game, don't really know what's going on, do they?
0: Well, I get that. I really, really get it. I'm not against anybody. Listen, Paul, I'm sure if you was on that panel yeah. uh, watching when a goal has been... Uh, Given or not given, mm-hmm. you wouldn't take as long as what these are taking. Well, I don't know why they're taking that long because yeah. we're watching it live on television. And you yeah. see, it is offside, yeah. Right now, surely they've got every angle there is. They must be looking at 20 different angles, yeah. You know, probably on the second angle, they should be able to see. So, oh, well, that's offside, yeah. that's a goal, that's a penalty, you know. And he's taking, you know, two minutes, you know, a minute and a half. It's crazy. It's yeah. completely crazy. Surely, whoever it, whoever's, whoever's looking at these, uh, the technology of it and seeing whether it's a goal or whether it's not a goal or whether it's a foul or whether it's not a foul, surely they've got that many angles of it. You don't need to see all 20 of it and I'm sure that's what they're doing looking at all 20. It's a sensible person. I know you, I don't know you, well, I've only known you through, through uh, yeah. us speaking on this podcast, mm-hmm. but I know you would pick up straight away so, and it's done within... 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. You know, and I think it's that what's causing us a problem as well as anything else. You know, other things, what's in, in with it. You know, why did, why it takes so long, I do not know. But I, like I said, I only thought it was coming in for goals, what had been scored and not, uh, they weren't quite sure about. But everything's come in now. It's, it's gone too far for me. I'm not against it, but I'm, I'm against, uh, I'm against the other things, what they brought in with it. And, and, and that's what's letting everything down with it for me.
1: Yeah, and I think it should be brought in to assist the referees, but it seems as though they're refereeing the game, and the referee's there to assist VAR the on them big decisions. And I think it's again putting the cart before the horse in in, in terms of football.
0: I mean, we've got to we've got to let referees yep. uh, make the decisions, but then you know, all of us, and that includes me, all of us will look at the decision. And you think, well, what's he? How's he? How's he not seeing that? Yep. And then sometimes you're thinking, has, has he done that on purpose? Does he not like Birmingham City? Yeah. Does he not like? Sheffield? We all say things like that, mm-hmm. whether we, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. You know, uh, I think the VAR was. I thought it was going to be a good thing for if balls had gone over the line uh, as a goal, and that's what I thought it was going to be brought in for. And it's been brought in for everything else. What's in the game? So whether it's going to whether it's going to uh, work out. Only time will tell with it, Paul. Uh, we have to give it time now it, it's in. So we have to give it time and, and let's see if, see if they can get it right.
1: Clear and obvious errors. And that's what I thought it was for. And yes. I think if it was bought in for clear and obvious errors. Like, a goal's been scored. The linesman's got his flag up. Let's have a look at it. No, the lad was onside. It's a goal. That's where I thought it was going to be given yep. f- and brought in for and not everything else. Well, we've started our predictions panel because we, we go six every week. Uh, the, yep. the, the two teams that we've both predicted, you've predicted Leeds United, and so is Young Jock, to win the uh, the championship, and I've, I've gone with Fulham. Your team, Sheffield Wednesday, my team, Birmingham City. Aston Villa... And one of your other former teams, Everton. Everton. So we're going with M6 every week. First week, we we went 3-3. We drew 3-3. You, yeah, got, you got three and I got three. It hinged on the Villa game. Tottenham beating in Villa. And that brought you back to, to, to 3-3. So the six are going to be up again this Hang week. Hang on a
0: bit. You had Birmingham to draw. I had Birmingham to win. And I, I I'll tell you it what, did. They were a bit unlucky, they were a bit unlucky yeah. not to win. But obviously, you're right. We did hinge on the Tottenham game in, in the end. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and again, the the, the player really that, that brought home the bacon for me for uh, for Tottenham was uh, was Ericsson. And
0: yeah, Sonnenberg brought him on. Yeah. yeah, you
1: look how he changed the game. You think, why didn't you start with him? And you, you look in the stand and you see Vatongan with sunglasses on. And you think, hey, what's gone on there? Because he's one of your best defenders. Yeah. There's a lot of things that goes on in, in football, uh, with, you know, within management and players and training grounds and, and transfers, etc.,
0: yeah, well, you see, uh, I mean, I thought Aston Villa played really, really well. Yeah. He They've only death, and like you said, when when Erickson came on, uh, but players' contracts are coming to the end of the uh, tether. I yeah. think they've only. I think has got a year left to go, and I think uh, the other boys only got a year to go. Mm-hmm. So they look at it. Uh, we're not going to play him. Yeah. Well, why keep him? might as well let him go for for what they thought is a, a reasonable a, reason, a reasonable amount of money than keeping them uh, and having I mean, them as bit part players because does it work? I'm not sure but I mean the sensible when you get to that level really Tottenham's and your, your, your Arsles and your Man United's and your Liverpool's you know it's big money so they all, they all wanted to win trophies and you know do the right things uh, but you don't know if they're being tapped up with other clubs, and that's the other problem. Yep. That's the other side of it. You know, the fa- the fans know it goes off, uh, but they're only, you know, they're still only guessing on it. Well, I'll tell you, it definitely goes off. You know, even in today's modern day footballer, uh, clubs will phone up uh, the agent, or the agent will phone up a club uh, and say, look, I think my player will, uh, will go well in it you, uh, with your team. So all that happens in the game. Um, it's getting the players beginning of the season in who you want and the ones out who you want out Uh, and if you don't get that sometimes it can cause you a problem
1: Now as soon as the final whistle went yeah, uh, you know what my Birmingham City pals are like, and some with my family. Jack Grealish—he's been found out. I thought, blimey, he's only played ninety minutes. You can't say anything like give a ball away and like he's finished at Premier League level. Football fans just are so ridiculous and so fickle at times. Listen, don't I, think they
0: are, don't, don't think they are, don't think they this. Some of the managers, because as soon as I saw it, the first thing I, I felt for him, the first thing I said to myself. Yeah. Maverick, Maverick's coming up. That's why we don't play him. That kid is so. That kid is so composed on the ball. Yeah. It's unreal. Now, I'm not saying he's a Messi, but you look at him when he's in his position. You tell me a better player. What doesn't panic on the ball? Tell me one better player. I don't, I don't think not there one, is.
1: I, I'm a massive, massive. I'm not saying
0: he's the best. I'm not saying he's the best player in the world. I think he's, he's a young lad. What's going to be a very, 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 very top player. And I mean a top player. But you look at him, he is so, co- so composed, on the ball, yep. brilliant. And I felt for him, and I felt for Villa, uh, because they didn't deserve to lose it. The, the score, I mean, the second one's a bit of a kick all, because it's, it's bobbled in the yeah. box and Kane's stuck it away. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Jack's made uh, a mistake on the other one, uh, and I felt for him. But the first thing i had said to him as a manager, don't worry about that, learn from it. That's what I would have said to him because you're going to be in my team all the time because you're the one what's going to create chances. You are the one what's going to cause problems for the opposition, right? But learn from the mistake. That's what I would have said to him. But I'm like you. As soon as it happened, I thought, I thought here we go again. Here's Maverick coming out and that's why we don't pick these type of players.
1: I do, I do. I find it absolutely crazy because that boy will take the ball in any area of the football pitch and he'll take it side on, he'll use it. I mean, he is, for me, a top central midfield player, and if I was the manager of England, Jack Grealish would be in my next squad. I believe he's that good.
0: Gabby, nearly every goal yeah, is a mistake. Exactly. Uh, 80% of them are mistakes, and any any team, when you look at them, you'll see somebody's made a mistake in that in that thing. And then you'll have the other 20% where somebody's hit an absolutely screamer, a free kick, and the team has passed the ball by 10, 12, 14, 15 passes and scored. Yeah. You know... But 80% of goals are made by mistakes by all different types of players: centre halves, a goalkeeper, left back, up right back, centre forward, whoever it is. But you get a player like Jack Grealish, who is a fantastic footballer. When he do it, that's why we don't play him. He's a maverick. We don't, you know, he's going to take that risk when he shouldn't be taking that risk. Take a, you don't get anything by not taking a risk.
1: Hudson says exactly the same, and I'm with you and Alan Hudson. Finally, my team Birmingham City are away at Forest, one of your former clubs this week. And your boys are away at Millwall. Now, a friend of mine, a Facebook friend, a massive Sheffield Wednesday fan, Neil Atkinson, I said it's a it's a difficult place to go. And he said who for the fans or the team? And I did say <laughs> both. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible place to go is the new den the old den was even worse what's finally what's your memories of that old den and playing against
0: millwall what's my old memories yeah. it's coming out when you when you come out of the tunnel yeah. right there's a wire mesh uh fencing around all the players yeah and and, and fans spitting at you yeah Right, and I'm not about spitting I'm not about doing a proper gobbing up and that yeah. type of spit yeah we're going to break your effing legs we you know you're going to we're going to blow your kids not blow your kids up we're going to kill your kids all that it was intimidating place yeah. but i mean sometimes we take it a bit too far because when when I say take it too far they're only trying to put you off aren't they yes you know, uh, because as a player, uh, you know you're going to be a danger to, and and that, that's what we thought it was a bit of banter. I'm, I'm not saying it were I mean, some players will be petrified a bit. Yeah. You know, some people, some players will be petrified a bit. But I looked at it. You know, the the football fans wanting their team to, to do well. But afterwards, you go in the bar afterwards and you see some of those fans in there, and you'd have a drink with them, and they said to you, "You know what a player you are." But it, it, it is intimidating for some players. I will say that, or it was the old uh, the old. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Any favourite? Just as we finish off, any favourite ground that that you loved to play?
0: Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> loved it, honestly.
1: Apart loved apart it. from apart from your spiritual home. Well, obviously Old Trafford. Yeah.
0: Arsenal, Liverpool. Um, Villa. I was like, I always like Villa. I like Wolves. That was a nice pitch to, to to play on. And Ipswich. Ipswich was a lovely pitch. Yeah. You know, but uh, my favourite was, obviously, I always wanted to play at Sheffield Wednesday. Yes. And uh, obviously, by playing for them, I played on a regular basis down there. But, uh, no, Man United, you know, the big clubs you want to play, they, you know, your Newcastles, your Liverpools, Full Houses, you, you want to play at all them type of stadiums. Yeah.
1: Well, Tell time's run out. We've done over 45 minutes, so we finished the first half. We've been in injury time for about 10 minutes as well. So <laughs> we've had a great little chat on our number eight podcast episode 8. Who was your favourite number 8 just before we go? Because we did start with that and we didn't get an answer from you.
0: Favorite my num- favourite yeah, number, number eight. 8. But you see Hoodie played 8 and eight, 10 didn't he? Yeah he did yeah. You know uh, and Borley played 8 so I'm, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Borley because obviously Hoodie uh, played 8 and 10 so I'm going to go with, with with Alan Ball, especially if they won the World Cup so uh, he, he would be my favourite number 8. Top Mantel, till Till
1: next time, let's hope on Saturday we're still singing the blues.
0: Okay, both of us, because we're both playing blues, so (laughs) I hope that we are singing the blues.
1: And we've got our first game at Hillsborough on the 27th of November. That's four days after my 55th birthday as well. Well, if
0: you've got a chance of getting up, then we can meet up and uh, we might uh, have a little, uh, I'll buy you a little birthday drink for for your birthday, if that's your 55th birthday. Cheers, Tim. Okay, Paul. See you later. See
1: you later, Paul. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. SRB Media.